Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. I'm your host, Rick Spence, business journalist, editor, public speaker, and entrepreneur. After 15 years as the national entrepreneurship columnist at the National Post, and as the former editor and publisher of Profit, the magazine for Canadian entrepreneurs, I've learned what makes Canadian startups special, scalable, and successful. On this show, we connect you with Canada's most innovative and entrepreneurial leaders and changemakers. You'll meet the people driving the entrepreneurial movement, and we'll share their first-person adventures and their tips, hacks, and best advice for running startup and growth companies. The Startup Canada podcast is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 3.5 million entrepreneurs. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. To entrepreneurs everywhere, this is your show. Ladies and gentlemen, entrepreneurs from coast to coast to coast, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast. On the show today, we're thrilled to have Bruce Croxon, partner at Round 13 Capital and a former CBC Dragon. Bruce made his mark as a digital pioneer by co-founding Lava Life and revolutionizing the way people connect. He grew this early tech startup into a marquee brand in online dating with more than 2 million users. As partner, chairman, and CEO, Bruce helped lead the company's growth from four employees to 600 while achieving, achieving revenue of nearly $100 million. Since the sale of Lava Life in 2010, Bruce has been active as both an investor and an advisor in growth stage tech. The company he co-founded, Round 13, has invested in firms such as Touch Bistro, HubDoc, Article, and Bold Commerce. Bruce also co-hosts The Disruptors on BNN and CTV, a weekly show on innovation and change in Canadian business. And he believes that Canadian entrepreneurs can hold their own with any in the world. Bruce, welcome to the show. Oh, so happy to be here, Rick. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to have a dragon on the sh- on, on, on the show, and I hope we get to talk just a little bit about that because it, well, it's we can do that. It, it's still the most fun brand in entrepreneurship. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's uh, it is a very uh, unique. It was a very unique experience. A very uh, interesting three years I spent on that show. Wow. Yeah, three years. Um, just off the top, let's earn our cred with the entrepreneurs who always want to know what's in this for me what uh, ideas or advice would you hope they would take away from this conversation today well you know like the it's always in the eye of the beholder of course but you know i have been um in the ecosystem the tech ecosystem in canada for well since the late 80s so i'm going to date myself right out of the gate but you know with that comes yeah i know well, with that comes, you know, some wins, some losses, and a ton of learning. Um, and, you know, it'd be my hope that, you know, I'd be able to get across some of the lessons learned in the course of speaking with you and 
you know, two right out of the gate that, you know, I've sort of observed um, in entrepreneurs that sort of separate the ones that, you know, seem happy and content with their choices versus the struggle, um, you know, would be, and it's a bit of a cliche, but, you know, one of the first pieces of advice I always give is, you know, when it comes to, to picking something to focus on, pick something that you're genuinely interested in because it's going to be a lot more work than you imagine. So, you know, if you're grinding away on whatever you've chosen on a Sunday, for example, if you're interested in the topic, it might seem a little less like work, right? So <laughs> that's, that'd be one. Absolutely. And I guess the second, you know, would be uh, if you don't know it already, you're soon going to find out that you're about to enter a world of cycles and roller coasters and that means ups and that means downs and there's some personalities that you know can handle that um ever-changing environment and there's others that it will drive them crazy so you know one tip is just when things are going very very well in your entrepreneurial life don't hang on to that feeling too too hard because it ain't gonna last i can almost <laughs> guarantee that and you know likewise you know, when you're, you feel like you're at the bottom of a trough and you've had a bad week or a bad month or a bad quarter and, you know, you're, you're thinking that this is never going to end. How do I get out of this? If you're hanging in there doing the right thing with the right people around you, uh, that too will end. So it's called the cycle for a reason. You know, I've seen a lot of them and uh, particularly in the startup world, um, those cycles can be, you know, daily. Right. So right. Uh, you, you just have to you just have it's, it's about temperament, I think, you know, and managing your, your, yourself and your mental health mm -hmm. uh, is it becomes as important as whatever you're trying to achieve metric or data wise or whatever your goals you've set for yourself. Right. I want to get into your story. But before we do that, let's just drill down a little bit on that. And especially during the hard time, it's. It's it's easy to say, you know, don't panic, don't get depressed, but it's harder than that. Do you have any hacks for us? Do you have any ways that, you, that you've used or you've seen other people use that, that help you get through when it's the bleakest? Yeah, that's that's great. Um, and I, it, it, it is a bit of a recurring theme um, that I'll answer you with for me, and that is I've always been a partnership person. I've, ne I've very rarely ever done anything on my own. And I think it's very, very helpful to surround yourself with like-minded people or people that um, you've decided are the type of people that are most conducive to your success or your company's success. Because I think the more attention you pay to that, you, you know, the burden gets shared. And uh, if empathy, for example, is one of your the characteristics that you're looking for, you've got built-in support, right? So it can be it can be a very lonely choice. And my advice is, uh, increasingly, I think it's very difficult to have all the answers as a sole proprietor. Um, so I'm I would encourage partnership, and I, and more to that, I would encourage thoughtful partnership. So, you know, that's not a, a short-term hack. But it's, you know, more of a mindset as to what, what I think you have to think about when embarking on a journey and, and just yeah, yeah. constantly come back to that compass of, you know, am I, do I have the right people and partners around me? Um, because there's so much of this journey that's unpredictable. So let's start with 
you know, people that at least share our, our belief system and that, you know, we know will be there to support us. Right. But I am so into the short-term hacks. So mm. can you tell me what are two things that you would look for in a partner when a you're partner? evaluating oh, okay. them? Because so many people, um, you know, they make the wrong choice and it's often something, yeah. you, you know, it, and, and it's hard to sure. make the right choice and it's hard so to know. I'm, uh, I'm well into my 50s and I, I am officially done with working with people or investing in people that can't get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say, look, I made a mistake or uh, I was wrong about this or geez, I never thought of it that way. Good point. So I think that goes to introspection. You know, people that uh, fundamentally are aware enough that they don't have all the answers and that, you know, when the inevitable conversation or difference of opinion happens, which it does in business or it should happen in business all the time, it doesn't become a personal ego-based discussion. It's an open-minded, let's find the best solution for the business type of conversation. Mm -hmm. And I think that depend I think that really relies on putting people together that are curious um, and that are able to admit when they're wrong and not stand on ego because I've seen just too many teams fall apart for the wrong reasons um, where, where it's, you know, nothing about the business or the technical skill. It's more about the character and the way that people interact as a team. So in my mind, you can't put enough time into that, you know, because the roller coaster journey that I described earlier, I mean, people's true character come out when you're at the bottom of a well, right? And just, <laughs> just inevitable, the pressure goes up and then you, you know, you resort to your, your go-to uh, character, you know, the things that you think got you there, and they're not always right. So, you know, in my mind, you got to put a lot of time into getting that right. I am tweeting this one out later. People's true character comes out when you're at the bottom of a well. Sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. Let, let's, let, let's take it back a little bit and just talk a little bit about you. When you were a kid, what did you want to be? Oh, my goodness. Well, before I got the reality wake-up call, I wanted to be a professional athlete. You know, uh -huh. um, I, loved, I loved all sports. Um, for a while there, I was half decent at a few things. Um, you know, everyone grew around me. I didn't. So that <laughs> was my first wake-up call. Uh, and, you what, know, I realized, what did you want? What, what, what was your go-to sport? Well, I, I really liked football. Um, and I've come to not see a lot of redeeming qualities in that sport as I'm limping around and I've got a bad hip and all oh, that no. kind of thing. Um, but that was when I was a kid, I was you know, totally psyched on that. But I would I would play anything, you know, and uh, that was that was my dream as a kid that transitioned relatively early um, because I am a, as much as I'm a dreamer. I'm also a realist. And I realized at a pretty young age that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, I was too slow, um, you know, not quite athletic enough and definitely not big enough. And, uh, and I, I, I really had an admiration uh, for the generation of people that showed up in this country, uh, my father's age and above, uh, that showed up with relatively little, a lot of them, got to work, 
and made something of themselves. So I was always attracted to the rags to riches story of entrepreneurs. I've got a tremendous respect for people that you know did not get a head start um, of of a, of a quality education and had to face hard knocks early um, and survive. And there are, there are stories uh, that uh, just continue to amaze me of if you were betting um, on, on the circumstances that some of, of these people came from, you, you, you wouldn't bet on them, you know, given the background that have been able to build fantastic companies. So I was inspired by that and, and was always uh, therefore attracted to the notion that, you know, maybe if I worked hard enough, um, and surrounded myself with the right people that I could build my own company one day and put food on my table by being an entrepreneur. Uh, that, was, that was my dream from the time I was 13 or 14. Um, school definitely took a back seat to that. Uh, I wasn't a great student uh, because I didn't find that what I was learning had a real practical application to entrepreneurship and, and you know, some of the things that I was starting to think about. Uh, but that was my dream from a, from a relatively young age. Wow. Wow. And what, what got you into the matchmaking business? It wasn't online dating <laughs> back yeah, then. Yeah, I right? wish I could tell you it was love, you know, but it, it, it wasn't. Uh, it, I, was, I was basically, and, it's, and it, it is a, it is, a piece of advice that I give entrepreneurs as well. Um, being an entrepreneur is a commitment in and of itself. And w one of my old business partners had a saying, he said, look, if you hang around the hoop long enough, you'll catch a ball. But you have to make the commitment to hang around the hoop. So I was pretty agnostic about what area of business I, I, I could build a company in. I, I was very open-minded and opportunistic to meeting, as long as it was legal, to meet uh, consumer needs with an idea that I may have come across. And I came across the, the online dating application in the late 80s. There was a couple of guys that had programmed uh, voice systems to connect people, send, allow them to send messages back and forth. Right, over the, right. The Just phone, to, phone for for the kids in the audience, there was no internet then. There was no internet, uh, and it was pre-voicemail as well, if you can imagine. Right. Um, but it was the same technology. Press one for this, push two for this, and the first real commercial application that had any legs to it was was a it was us with a brand called Telepersonals. And that just started to show me the power of uh, if you if you offered people a way to connect with each other, it's a very fundamental human need. Um, and it was illustrating it to us every day in the statistics of the number of people that, you know, wanted to connect and heard about this system where you could run a voicemail ad and um, send messages to other people that were picking up their messages online. Uh, and that was really the beginning of, wow, this, is, this, this thing could be bigger than a phone system. So we were very well positioned when the internet came of age in the, in, or started to be commercialized in the mid-90s. Uh, and we're one of the first people in on what has you know, obviously become a, you know, just a way of life now, right? If you're, if you're single or sometimes if you're even not, 
um, you're you're using online dating uh, as a viable option. It's it's no longer a stigmatized. Geez, if I'm using technology, it must mean I can't get a date any other way, which was definitely the stigma when we started in the industry back then. Right. Well, what is the stat now? I mean, we we, we won't we don't need to talk about online dating very long, but um, I mean, it's half of all people now meet online, isn't it? Something like that. That sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, I know that the divorce stat has remained about the same. It's about fifty fifty, oh. which was which was which you know which was always which was always a bit of a joke in the industry because we'd put people together and it looked like you were, they were marching off into the sunset for, you know, love ever after. And from the marketing perspective, we knew there was a 50 chance, 50% chance they'd be back. So that's a bit of a morbid joke in the dating industry. But I think both, I think both. No refunds, right? No refunds. And we kept your credit. So if (laughs) things didn't work out, you could come back and pick up where you left off. (laughs) And you don't so you don't even have to update your photo if you don't want to. <laughs> oh, depending on how long, how much time went by, you know. Right, exactly right. Right, right. Let's skip right ahead. You had a very successful sale. You hung around Lava Life for a little while, and then you struck out on your own. Uh, fill in with two sentences how you got to round thirteen. Well, I started. Uh, my investing career as an angel investor, really just placing relatively small checks into Canadian companies and then decided I liked it so much that I wanted to do it in a more formal way and, and formed round 13 with, uh, you know, a 25 year veteran of the software investing space, a guy named John Eckert, um, who had a lot more experience in investing than I did, but it's turned out that we've, we've become very good partners. Uh, how many companies would you have invested in by now through round 13? Uh, our, well, there's, there are 15 companies in the round 13 portfolio currently. And and you have sort of two portfolios. There's an early stage and a later stage? We do. Uh, we have two strategies across three funds. Uh, so, yes, one of, the, uh, one of the strategies is relatively early stage, although we do avoid the st- the pure startup uh, market. We're, we're really looking to put five to ten million dollars into Canadian-based software companies that are really ready to scale. They've they've proven a product market fit, um, and uh, they they have customers. They we can understand the profile of the customers, and it's now time to really get going. And then we have a later stage fund for companies that are a little bit closer to exit. That are looking for uh, you know ten to twenty million dollars and some capital markets advice on how to get out the door really. So we're really only looking for a, a two to three year turnaround on those investments. Whereas you know the growth stage venture stuff can you know sometimes take a decade, and we're very patient with that capital. Right. Well, if if uh, if one of our um, listeners thought, "Hey, that sounds like me. We're we're one of those companies Bruce is looking for." Uh, would you be Would you be a, a, a opposed if they got in touch with you? No, that's. Ex- I, I would be offended if they didn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like that's Beautiful. what we're in business for, and you know, we 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 want to hear from everybody. Frankly, whether you're early, late, middle, or late. Because at minimum, when you come uh, to see us or when you let us know what you're up to, you will get some advice uh, and we will point you in the right direction. It's, it's, uh, we, we built Round 13 to be very helpful 
We celebrate entrepreneurs here. We have a tremendous amount of respect for them. We know it's not easy, uh, and we're here to help. Is, is there a special uh, – you describe what you do, but uh, but uh, I don't know enough about the industry as a whole to know what makes you different. Is, is there a special niche uh, or, or a special type of branding or service that you aspire to? Yes. Um, thanks for asking. I, it, we're, we're extremely hands-on. So if you did a survey of our 15 investments, uh, 13 of them, um, at a minimum, I think you'd get the response to say that we are the lead investor, we're the, we're the most involved, we're the ones that they call uh, when they need to make a tough decision. And we, wor- we work really, really hard to earn that place at the table. So when you get us, it's it, it, one of the things that I wanted to make sure of if I got into this more formal investing was I'd heard so many times from people that had wanted to invest in what I was doing that we're more than just the check. We're actually going to add value to your business. And I, I found that that was very tough for people, for investors to execute on. So when we put this company together, we did so very mindfully that we wanted to make good on a claim that we were really there to help the company scale. And I think we've, we've done a good job of uh, earning a, a reputation on delivering on that. That's fantastic. On the website, um, I found a list of five principles uh, at round 13 that I thought was pretty exciting. I'm going to read them out. If you feel like interrupting me at one point to add something to it or to say why this is meaningful to you, um, it's your, it, 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 it's my show, but it's your story. But I really like it. I think you've articulated some really cool things here. If you know what I'm talking about, uh, these are, um, officially framed as some of the observations you've made okay. <laughs> about companies. The best predictor of success is the quality of the team. So that's, I mean, everyone gets that every company needs to understand its superpower. What does that mean? Well, I think, I think different teams and companies are good at different things. And it is you know, the big difference between when I started in technology and today is that the technology in and of itself does not serve as a barrier to entry. Um, when I started, it was big. It was complicated. It kept other people out of dating in, this, in, in my example. They didn't know what we were up to. And if they did... It was too expensive or it was very expensive to replicate what we and complex to replicate what we were doing. So really, you know, what is the, the way that if you've got a great idea and you've got some early traction, it's uber competitive out there. So what what is it about what you're bringing to the table that is going to allow you to win? You know, and uh, to do everything average is not going to cut it today. Uh, so uh, I think it's really important to understand, you know, what it is that's special about you. What's special about round 13 is that we are extremely hands-on and we add value at the right time in the right way. And I think we make a meaningful difference to the fortunes of the companies that we invest in. What is, that's our superpower. What's yours? Right, right. And uh, so that's really cool. Um, I mean, a the con the, the very empowering concept of you know what is our superpower, and then being able to say you have yours, we have ours is cool as well. The third observation is every company is a marketing and sales company. 
But my fourth, but your fourth one is probably my favorite. Do you know what it is off by heart? Yeah, well, I get four and five mixed up, so why don't you read (laughs) it to me and I'll respond. Reporting is exciting. (laughs) Yes. Well, listen, we live in a very um, fortunate time. Now, the, the, the good news is that, you know, it's never been a better time to measure how effective you are, right? Because every tool uh, that is available to us as consumers, you know, the ability to uh, click one more time to get a better deal from somebody online or, you know, search up something that you never could have imagined you would have been able to find the answer for in three seconds. All of these tools are available to us as small business people too, right? So there's really no excuse not to know everything there is to know about your customer. And, you know, the, 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 the excitement, I think, is, is buried in the data because the data doesn't lie. I mean, this is where our customers are coming from. This is how much we pay to get them. This is the characteristics they have once they become our customers. It, it's all there. Right. And um, I, I don't want to confuse, um, you know, putting together the reports with, you know, going to watch a Raptors game and how exciting <laughs> that would be or whatever your special interest is. But I find as a business person, it's a pretty exciting time to be able to look at the capability of how deep the understanding can be of the, the industries we're trying to disrupt or the progress we're making and say, OK, there it is. Sometimes it's very clear is what we got to do, you know? Right. Sometimes some companies have difficulty knowing, uh, you know, which metrics are most important to us. Is that something you've been able, because you see a lot of companies uh, and hopefully you learn from them. So is, is that something you've been able to help them with in terms of making sure you're measuring the right things? I would say yes. Yeah. Cool. And the fifth one is we believe the most important work happens between board meetings, not at them. I can't tell you the number of board meetings where, as an operator, where I showed up and it became clear to me that people were reading the material for the first time. Uh, You know, we were one, one, one investment of 15 that they might have. So how could I expect them to really understand what I was doing every quarter. Um, so, you know, when you get us as a partner, um, we're making the commitment that it, it isn't just going to be a once a quarter show up and do our best uh, with the information that we got two days before. It's going to be, okay, what, what do you need between now and the next board meeting and the next, what can we do this quarter to help push our investment along? you know, as your partner. And uh, we're sincere in that offer. That, that's very cool. It's very cool. So it's called round 13. Mm. 13 is kind of an unlucky number in most my Western cultures. Number. Your favorite number. It always has been. It was the number that I had on all my sports uh, jerseys <laughs> growing up too, you know? They didn't tell my you. favorite number. They didn't tell you about who they gave the number 13 to? I, I think it was... I think it was the start of my kind of contrarian mindset. Like I knew it was supposed to be unlucky. I said, "Oh, screw it. You know, if it's unlucky, let me try and prove that it's not, you know? Right. But there's and also, I never broke anything. 
<laughs> says so the, maybe, says the guy with the disruptors TV show, right? Oh, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> I'm talking about like my leg or my arm. You know, I never I never had any you know serious injuries from wearing number thirteen. Right. Now I wasn't a superstar either, so who you know? Maybe it maybe it cut both ways. Right. So there's a story around the 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 the, the name round thirteen. Can you tell us it? Yeah, it's uh, I'm a boxing fan. So it's, it's actually named after a very famous uh, Muhammad Ali fight. I'm a huge Muhammad Ali fan, too, not only for you know, what he accomplished uh, in, the, in the ring, but the stands he took outside of it. Is this uh, the Thriller in Manila? It was the Thriller in Manila, 1975. The 13th round of that fight is seen by many uh, boxing fans as the most brutal round of boxing in the history of the heavyweight uh, division. And Fraser and Ali just beat each other up so badly in that round that by the start of the 50th, two rounds later, uh, neither one could really get to their feet. And when Ali heard that Fraser couldn't get off his stool, he stood up and just by standing up, he won the fight. So it's just a bit of a story to encourage people to, you know, uh, hang in there, Uh, obviously in a much less brutal fashion than two people wailing on each other in a boxing ring. Um, but the analogy is, look, it's not going to be easy. Um, we really do like to surround ourselves with people that have the grit and determination to sort of push through when things aren't going a hundred percent your way. Right. Um, let's mention a couple names. Can you tell me about like any two of your portfolio companies and what attracted you to them and why you love them? Yeah. Um, one, Any two. Yeah, sure. Uh, there's, a, there's a company that we have called Hi Mama, and uh, I work closely with them. And it, what it is, it's a daycare registration company. And it's, you know, sort of think about it as point of sale for daycare. P- the parents sign up, but it, gives, it actually gives the parents a, a, a view into what their kids are up to during the day. Now, it's a bit of a funny story because they did come on the disruptors two or three years ago and they pitched themselves and said, look, you know, when your kid goes to daycare, uh, you'll be able to tell exactly what they're up to. You'll be able to see what they're doing, you know, what, what, what they learned today, when they went to the washroom, how we change, you know, everything you need to know. And I remember being on air joking and saying, like, really? When I was a kid, all I had to do was be home when the streetlights came on. And my parents really didn't have a clue as to what the heck I was up to. Is this what we've come to? Different you know, times. and I was like, I went off on it. And then two, or, two and a half years later, they show up in my office. And they built a beautiful little business of parents absolutely do care a lot differently than when, when I was coming through the system. And they do want to know this stuff. And uh, most importantly for me, um, the, the female and male co-founder were exceptional people, are exceptional people, and they've built an exceptional team. And they put what I think, we spent the first meeting just talking about culture and the importance of company values and surrounding yourself with the right people. And, you know, in my view, when you've got those basics as part of your principal set, you can make any business work. So it, it really became the most important thing for me in that conversation. And I'm, I won't say that the business idea was incidental. It's not. It's always important. But I knew I was backing the right people um, through, through that meeting. 
you know, so that would be one. That's Second cool. one, just quickly, you know, is one we did recently, a company called Article uh, in Vancouver. Canada's but, fastest growing company a year or so ago. Yeah, yeah. They've, done, they've, they've done very, very well. And it's, a direct to cons- it's, it's one of our only direct-to-consumer companies, ironically enough, given my Lava Life direct-to-consumer background. Um, and, you know, we haven't had a chance to be extremely active in that company yet. But I've got a great deal of respect for uh, what they've achieved in a relatively short period of time. And, you know, you, you, you do a granny survey and ask uh, the average millennial whether they know Article. And they do because they probably bought their online sofa there not too long ago. Right. Very cool. How many companies would you look at in order to winnow it all down to the, 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 the dozen or so companies that you end up investing in? Well, we, 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 I would say we operate at about a hundred to one ratio. We'll look at a hundred companies to make one investment. I was afraid you'd say that. Yeah. 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 But yeah. you know, um, 10, eight to 10 in depth, we'll look at to do one investment. So, you know, we can give a pretty quick screen and some advice and some look at this is a little too early for us. I would suggest you go here, uh, come back and see us when you've achieved X, Y, and Z. You know, so that can happen relatively quickly. So it's not like we're, you know, spending weeks and months of people's time uh, usually to tell them no, you know. Right, right. So you see so many Canadian entrepreneurs coming to you um, and you get you get to ask any question you want in order to learn more um, what do, what would you say are two surprising strengths of the entrepreneurs you see things that that, that that you love and that delight you about the way they're running their business and what would be two weaknesses or flaws that you wish more people would be aware of and look after mm, mm. two and two too good too bad well, I'm continually impressed with um, the strength of our engineering talent in the country. So we, we, we often, we're seeing a, a more than our share of product-led entrepreneurs, people that really started with the product uh, and are passionate about the product. And I think particularly in that area, we can, we can hold our own with anyone in the world. Um, when it comes to engineering and product design. And I guess the second thing is, is, you know, one of the great things about being in Toronto, Canada, is that I am constantly impressed with the, the humility and open-mindedness of our entrepreneurs. We, we, we get very few, um, you know, know-it-all personalities or people that, you know, are, are taking credit for things in advance of having earned it. I, f- I find it really is part of our DNA here in this country. And I, I, I've got a tremendous amount of respect for the humility that some of these entrepreneurs bring to the table when they've accomplished things that are very difficult to accomplish. If they're in our office and we're in a serious meeting, it means they've, they've, they've actually created something that people are willing to pay for. And that is just not an easy thing to do. And I, I, I continue to have a tremendous amount of respect for anyone that gets to that stage. You spoke about humility there. Um, are there advantages to humility as a CEO? We sometimes think of charismatic, non-humble CEOs, but can it be a superpower? I think it is. 
And, and I'll tell you why. Um, especially today, because it is increasingly rare for one person to have all of the answers. There's just too much information coming at us too quickly, uh, and, and we're constantly being bombarded and surrounded by new innovation, right? So the day of, of one person coming in and having all the answers and keeping pace with all of the best practices and, you know, just delivering it on their own, I think are past. I mean, you might run into a rare exception, but by and large, uh, I think it is more and more and more about the team. And if you are somebody that has all the answers and the ego doesn't allow you to have the humility required, I find those people very poor team players. Um, so that's a personal bias, I, I, I admit. Uh, but I find more people in on a decision make for a better decision. And I think in order to have that kind of meaningful interaction, uh, you need to be open-minded and be able to have the ability to put your ego aside. And that goes straight to me to humility. Right, right. I've got to ask you this, and then we'll get back to the question I asked you a couple minutes ago. Um, on Dragon's Den, there's that moment when people say, I'm out. And there is a way, and particularly when you see the opening, and I love this show, by the way. I think it's been really important to Canadian entrepreneurship. And I think it has so much to, to teach every, every one of us. And I think we're learning these lessons, which is amazing. It's, it's, it's been an entirely disruptive thing. But there is an as, aspect of arrogance to that show, especially in the opening when they show all these very successful, intimidating dragons. You will now appear before them and feel mm -hmm. their wrath and the breath of fire and everything. Do, do you see any kind of a conflict there? or the, the, Because That's a you, very good you, question. you had I to mean, play I'm, I'm an arrogant right? person on TV. <laughs> well, you know, I hope, I hope I didn't come across that way because... You know, everyone's got a different approach, um, but I, I will remind you that each pitch that we saw actually went on for about 40 minutes, and then it was edited down to sort of the seven minutes that you see right. on TV. Yeah. So I think there is a difference between what people may think is good television in the editing room and what actually happened in the, in, in the interaction and the process to get to the answer. Interesting. And I, I think the edit would have shown us being a lot more abrupt and curt than the 33 minutes that got left on the cutting room floor would have revealed. It was a much more interactive process than that. Now, having said that, you had all kinds of different personalities, right, on on the Dragon's Den, like, you know, uh, Arlene Dickinson, very supportive, very inquisitive. Kevin O'Leary, you know, he, 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 he felt, and I think the show liked the fact that he thought he had to be an asshole when he, <laughs> you know, when he questioned people, right? So for the most part, none of us were actors. Um, maybe Kevin was acting a little bit, but, you know, I, I think... I think, I think the entrepreneurs felt a lot more support than may have been evidenced by the seven minutes that got finally showed to the, to the, um, you know, the population. Okay. I think that's a, uh, that's a, that's a very fair yeah. argument. Yeah. So when, when last we uh, heard from Rick, he was asking about, um, 
two strengths of Canadian entrepreneurs, and you talked about those, uh, engineering and humility, to put it into one word each. Uh, what, are the, what, what are the two flaws that you wish that more people could be aware of and work on? You know, it's, it's funny. I'm, um, I think, you know, when you get to know people, uh, you know, character comes out. I, I don't have two generalized weaknesses that I'm noticing as a trend or a pattern. I really don't. Um, now I'm a, I'm a, a naturally born optimist, right? I always see the glass half full. I've almost deliberately surrounded myself here with people that take a more black hat approach to decision making and focus more on the downside. So my natural inclination is to see the best in people. Um, and I think one of my weaknesses, frankly, as an owner operator was that I gave people too much rope when it was clear that they may not have been best suited for the job. I was always sort of looking at their good points versus bringing a critical eye to what they might not be as good at. So I'm probably the wrong person to give a more specific answer to that question. I, I just say, look, you know, everybody's got strengths, everyone's got weaknesses. I'm not seeing a pattern of weaknesses in Canadian entrepreneurs. I think we can hold, as I said off the top, I think we can hold our own with anyone in the world. It's the best place in the in the world to build a, a company. I think Toronto is the best city in the world to build a company. So I am extremely biased. And uh, I just think, you know, by and large, we're great. <laughs> you know, there you go. <laughs> that might not be the most humble thing I've ever said, but on behalf of Canadian entrepreneurs, I recognize that. Well, and I am maybe overly patriotic, but I just think I just think it's a great country. Right? Oh, I, I think that's uh, phenomenally good news that, that you're reporting that the people you're seeing don't have. Um, I mean, obviously, they have individual weaknesses. Nobody's perfect. Um, and you don't invest in 99% of them, but you're not seeing uh, dismaying things. So uh, exactly. So that, that's that's a really good sign. Overall, in terms of round 13, I mean, that's your business. Do you see that as an entrepreneurial business? Are you trying to build it and scale it? Or are you happy with it sort of doing, continuing to do what it's been doing? Do you have, well, do you have plans? Yes, it's it's definitely an entrepreneurial business. I mean, we could have stopped uh, with you know two venture funds um, that we're happy with, and you know sort of uh, been a little bit more uh, modest in our growth. But you know, recently, a guy that we've known for fifteen years in and around the space has been involved in more technology deals, I think, than anyone in the country. Uh, decided to make a career change, uh, a guy named Sanjeev Samet. He was the head of uh, investment banking at National Bank, before that at Canaccord Genuity. Very well-known Canadian, um, you know, deal maker. And, you know, we decided to build another strategy around him um, because, you know, he knew us, we knew him, we saw the world the same way. Uh, and... Uh, we could have easily said, you know what, we're that we're biting off more than we can chew. But we really think that there's a lot to be done in Canada, and we only invest in Canada, and and uh, we think there's more than enough to be accomplished here. So no, our we're still ambitious, you know, and uh, not big isn't necessarily better. Um, so is is that the like, 
Is that the later stage growth capital? Right. Is that the later stage growth capital fund? Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's that. That I mean, that is innovative, and that's very cool. Um, Will there be more sort of extensions like this on an opportunistic basis? Do you think uh, when the opportunity comes up? I think there will be. Yeah. No, I I think there will be. Yeah. All right. As long as we continue to perform and and do a good job for the people that have decided to entrust us with their money, I think um, you know they're encouraging us to do more. Right. Well, I think this has been a great conversation. I think we've talked about one entrepreneur's journey and all the, the positive things that can come out of it. You've had a lot of advice to give us over, over that period. And we've learned a lot about how the relationship between entrepreneurs and capital, how positive it can be when you find the right partnership. And just so urging everyone to, 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 to consider that and... Uh, as they go on their own growth paths, as they find they they need that kind of assistance. Uh, last two questions for you. The first one's an easy one. What's what's the best way you prefer people get in touch with you? Oh, round th- right through our website, round13capital.com or Bruce at round13capital.com or John at round13capital.com or Craig at round13capital.com. You will get a response. Right. Perfect. That's so good. so good to hear. Thank you. And finally, what is one additional actionable piece of advice that you'd like to offer Canadian entrepreneurs? Run a constant and consistent review of your company culture. Make sure that the people... Uh, that you're surrounding yourself with are acting in accordance with the behaviors that you think are most conducive to building your companies because good cultures, good teams can make great companies out of so-so ideas and bad teams can ruin the best idea. So pay careful attention to it. It really is about the soft stuff, isn't it? Uh, For me it is. What's traditionally been called soft stuff but is actually really hard but and so important. I think it's critically important. Bruce Croxon, thank you very much for this. Continued good luck at round 13 uh, to you. And thanks very much for taking part in this podcast and for your support of Startup Canada. Thanks, Rick. It was great speaking with you. Great talking to you. We'll talk again. Thank you for joining us this week in the Startup Canada podcast, a weekly show dedicated to unlocking the potential of every entrepreneur. Stay tuned another minute to hear the latest startup community news and the upcoming events lineup, including our hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 noon Eastern time. I sometimes show up there too. Until next week, I'm your Startup Canada podcast host, Rick Spence.